It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on a Thursday, a fall-like Thursday with some sunshine out there. Scott Foster in here with you as we get ready to talk about things going on for midday here in the next couple hours. And uh, it has been certainly a busy few hours for us and uh, quite a awesome opportunity to give away the vehicle yesterday and i got clay in here and clay was along with that and that that had to be a pretty pretty special thing for you clay it was it was really cool to 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 be a part of it and to to see just such a gracious winner mm-hmm. i mean they were very humble and very very excited so it's it's always a good feeling when you can can present something like that to a family and folks that needed it Exactly. You know, that's the other neat thing it, about this. It, so, yeah. Uh, the wife was relaying to us that, like, just that yesterday morning, the brakes on her van had, like, quit. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. That's cool. I like to hear that a lot. What do you got for us today? Well, as we take a quick rundown of what's happening here on the farm team midday at 1219, I step into the booth, and we know we've heard from Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi that formal impeachment inquiry has began against President Trump. But we asked the question, what could this mean for the ag markets? It's been over 20 years we saw a similar inquiry happen in the 1990s under the yeah. Clinton administration. Right. What does that mean? What did we see in the ag markets then? What could we see now? So we asked several commodity brokers what their thoughts are, what the potential effects could be. At 1245, we hear from Shaley Peters. She's with the uh, infrastructure seminar happening today in Hastings. And then at 117, Susan Littlefield comes back as we hear from Ranky President Chris Roth at the governor's visit uh, that happened or is happening this afternoon. Okay, very good. Lots of stuff going on. Thank you, Clay. I appreciate it. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. What do you got going on in sports today? Nebraska Northwestern on Saturday. Uh, A lot of folks probably want to figure this once Nebraska joined the Big Ten. But the Huskers have had issues with the Wildcats. Just four and four against these guys. And, of course, the last two have been heartbreakers, losing those in overtime. Of course, a while back, it took a Hail Mary pass. (laughs) Those guys... (laughs) In Lincoln. I, I just don't know if there's a better coach than, than Coach Fitz. Boy, he puts a lot with that team. I have a couple of friends who do not care for him. Really? But I don't get it because I think he's done a wonderful job in a tough situation. Of course, they pump millions into their facilities right now. But it still isn't easy to get a good football player eligible there at Northwestern with their high academic standards. And he always seems like a, a genuine and a pretty decent guy. Yeah. The, the times I've seen him in person... And also has seen what he has to say. But we'll get his thoughts about the Nebraska-Northwestern rivalry. Also, as expected, the Husker volleyball team rolled last night on the East Coast as they knocked off Rutgers. A couple of baseball games today in the Major League playoffs. I always like this when they have a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have Atlanta and St. Louis going, and then Washington and L.A. later on tonight. That should be interesting. Hopefully weather holds up yeah. for those two. So thank you, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Uh, got some green on the board today. What's that? Things are stabilizing just a little bit after a few rough days. Uh, the the uh, service sector uh, activity hit a three-year low though and that's one of the things that folks are kind of sitting back and watching for a while. Um, Technology stocks which have taken losses over the past two days uh, as worries over trade and tech and and the economy flared up did fairly well in the early going today and chipmaker Nvidia climbed 1.1 percent. So we're watching that situation. Other things making news today, growth in the U.S. services sector slowed sharply in September to the lowest level in three years. So all those right. are the stories we're watching. Thank you, Bob. That's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And it sure is nice, Paul, to see the uh, sun out, short-lived as it may be, <laughs> but it's good to see it. Yes, yeah, some clouds uh, rolling back in as we head towards tomorrow. But, yeah, most of us enjoying some sunshine right now. Still some stubborn clouds in north-central and northeast Nebraska, basically from about Ord and Ainsworth and points off towards the east and also over southeast Nebraska, some stubborn clouds. But... At least a lot of us getting some sunshine, but those temperatures only still in the upper 40s to low 50s after a chilly morning this morning. It's very autumnal out right now, doesn't it? It feels like fall. <laughs> exactly. And we did get down to freezing in several locations this morning. North Platte got down to 32 in central Nebraska. It got down to 30 in the Arnold area. State low in Nebraska, mm-hmm. 22 at Alliance this morning, <laughs> and it got down to 20 in Bushnell, oh, which is in the very southwest wow. corner of the Nebraska Panhandle. So. Uh, okay, I'm not quite ready for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, got down to 20. High pressure settling in today from the north. Give me some sunshine and fall-like weather. Temperatures, though, will be about 10 degrees cooler than normal. Clouds will return tonight with the approach of some low pressure out of the Pacific Northwest. Some rain is possible already with that system over southwest Nebraska and northern Kansas. Tomorrow shaping up to be a cloudy and cool day with some rain. The entire day, though, not going to be a complete rain out. We're likely going to see at least some rain, though. Clouds will keep the temperatures unseasonably cool. Tomorrow night, some thunderstorm chances increase to a more likely chance for much of the area with the passage of a cold front. That forecast will dry out for Saturday through next week. It will be windy on Saturday through at least the first half of the day with some northwest winds gusting up to about 30. Temperatures early on next week, mostly seasonal. And many forecast models, though, starting to show the potential for at least a cool down a week from now. But any cool down right now looks to be short-lived in our most recent long-term forecast. Overall, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are likely to be seasonal to warmer than normal for Tuesday through October 16th. Maybe just some bumps in the roads with some cooler weather. That better chance of some warmer air will be next weekend through the 16th. It's likely to be drier than normal for rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week. Near normal rainfall expected by next weekend through October 16th. In the regional drought monitor, Nebraska continues to be completely drought-free. Kansas remains 81% drought-free. Abnormal dryness to a moderate drought continues right now over southwest Kansas. Key weather factors driving the markets include periods of rain and cold delaying the harvest in the western Midwest and more rain chances for Brazil soybean areas. Record-setting heat across the south and east U.S. will be replaced by somewhat cooler weather this weekend. By early next week, near or above normal temperatures will return across many parts of the U.S. Most of the eastern half of the U.S. will receive at least some rain the next five days, but amounts expected to vary. Heavy rain may also occur across the upper Midwest, where some rivers are already running high. In the western and north-central Midwest, the slow harvest pace will continue with additional rain possible the next three days. Tomorrow, there's a chance for some frost in northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, and northern Michigan. A slight chance in eastern South Dakota. The 6- to 10-day forecast could also bring some more wet and cold weather to the Midwest. In central and east areas of the northern plains, a frost and light freeze will affect late developing corn and soybeans. The weekend and early next week, though, in the northern plains, warmer and drier before a cold outbreak six to ten days from now. In central Brazil, soybean planting conditions will improve with some periods of rain in their forecast.
Okay, well, I guess we'll see what happens. You just never know this time of year. That's what makes yep. your job so exciting, <laughs> Paul. Exactly. Because, you know, we had, yeah, early this week, we had record-breaking heat in the mid to upper 90s in central portions of Nebraska. And then this morning, we got down into the low 20s in the Nebraska panhandle. So anything is possible this time of year. Uh, you got to love it. you got to <laughs> love it. Well, thank you, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. With less than a week left of September, Speaker of the House of Representatives Nancy Pelosi made a statement that would cause both shock in the public and the market. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. Today, we asked the question, what could an impeachment inquiry mean for those in the ag markets? Right here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. In the history of the U.S., full impeachment proceedings are very rare. Only two presidents have been impeached, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, though both were acquitted by the Senate and remained in office. Impeachment proceedings began against President Richard Nixon, but he resigned before they concluded. In total, the House has impeached 19 federal officials, most of them judges. So first, it's important to note that the potential impeachment case is in its first steps, beginning as an inquiry. Speaker Pelosi has mentioned that six key committees have already started an investigation into the president and the alleged wrongdoings. If the committee feels there's substantial evidence, then they could bring the case to a vote for impeachment proceedings to the House of Representatives. If passed by a simple majority, it would then go to a full trial before the Senate, where a two-thirds majority would be needed to remove the president from office. Back to the potential effects this process could have on the markets. Since the announcement of the inquiry, the U.S. dollar has become more volatile, hitting multi-year highs and then quickly selling off. Aaron Bertels of Crossroads Marketing believes that the impeachment inquiry brings with it volatility, but it could be faster swings than what we saw during the last impeachment inquiry in the 1990s. Just faster, just what we've seen, you know, even in these markets in the last three years. Um, you know, you've you've seen plenty of times where beef has had these days where they'll be down almost the limit and they'll be up the limit by the end of the day. And that's how fast this can move now. And you've got to try to, to be, you know, patient enough and, and, you know, just have enough uh, to stand it. Right. I mean, that's the tough part is you sit here and watch all this fluctuation and you don't know which way to go. You've got to try to pay attention to the fundamentals, try to hold true to that because this outside noise is going to move those markets around a lot and in the end, it may not matter a whole lot. At the end of the day, it may not matter a whole lot. You could go down really quickly and then come back and nothing's really changed. So I think people are just going to have to watch their emotions as you see this stuff swinging around when you get this news because uh, it will be able to swing very, very quickly. Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Services believes that not only the impeachment inquiry, but the possible capital controls proposed by the Trump administration signal a lack of trust and faith in the U.S. government. Overall, when we think impeachment we think of loss of confidence in government. When we think capital controls, which is sort of what the, the Trump administration is suggesting, you, know, you can't invest in China companies or you can't put your money with China, loss of confidence in government. Historically speaking, when policies or, or things take place that the people of a country lose, or the world lose confidence in a particular government, it has tended to mean a weaker currency or money leaving the, the place of uncertainty. And so we think that if impeachment really becomes a major force here, and if they actually do follow through on capital controls, we think that the response to this would be a weaker U.S. dollar and a weaker U.S. dollar, which, as you know, we have not seen all year long. It's been pretty much going up most of the year. has tended to be an inflationary 
um, force for agricultural prices. So our best guess is these kinds of things actually would be inflationary to ag prices because of the currency impact. While the six committee's investigation continues, the markets have settled down somewhat to focus more on supply and demand fundamentals. Again, Aaron Bertels of Crossroads Ag Marketing and Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Services are the ones who shared their thoughts on the inquiry's possible effects to the ag markets. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Pat Hirsch of Red Cloud is the big winner of the Bringing It Home Ram Pickup. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this was a good break. We needed needed a little break, and this this right here definitely works. Relive all the fun at KRVN.com. Thanks to all the sponsors. Uh, I'm very grateful to everybody that chipped in and made this possible. I mean, this... This, this is awesome. This, this is really, really awesome. Thanks to everyone who registered this summer and be listening for more chances to win on KRVN. It is time for us to take a look at sports and see what's going on around. And Jason Jorgensen in here with me. And I tell you, you wouldn't have thought it coming into the Big 12. The Northwestern would be probably the... We've had the best games against them. I wouldn't call them a rivalry because I don't think there's that kind of angst between the two but man the games are just always tight they have been and since nebraska's mm-hmm. joined the conference this has been a very even series and wildcat coach pat fitzgerald was asked about that this week did i think that northwestern and nebraska would ever become a rivalry i think as a kid i would have probably told you no but now as i think we're building our program to where we want it to be and i know frosty have you know listened to you know, a lot of the things that, that they're talking about building their program, and you can see the building blocks happening. You know, I think we've been very fortunate. Again, just like last week's game, I think this game is really hinged on turnovers. The last two meetings have gone in overtime with Northwestern handing the Huskers a couple of uh, gut-wrenching defeats. Series is tied at four wins apiece since Nebraska joined the Big Ten. Saturday's game is set to begin at three. Of course, we'll bring it to you here on 880 KRVN. They've done a great thing with that program because that thing was a doormat for years and years and years. Husker volleyball team is expected rolled over Rutgers last night on the road. Up next for the Big Red, huge home game on Saturday night against Wisconsin. And Hastings College, they beat Concordia in four last night. They are now 8-8 on the year. Two best of five National League Divisional Series get started today. The first game features St. Louis facing off against the Braves in Atlanta where Hall of Famer Chipper Jones mm. will throw out the first pitch. That is the early game today. That will start at 4.02 Central Time. The nightcap has the Dodgers against Washington. That one will start around 7.37. There's NFL football action tonight as the Rams visit the Seahawks in a key NFC West matchup of 3-1 and one teams. Rams have won three of their past four trips to Seattle and will look to become the first divisional opponent to win three straight games in Seattle since the Denver Broncos did that back in the days of the AFC West, winning from 1996 through 98. And in high school softball action tonight, Cozad takes on Gothenburg. Now, due to the wet conditions, the games have been moved to Lexington. JV game at 5, varsity game at 6.30. We will bring you that game tonight locally on Kemi Country Legends. Matchup there between a couple of the teams that are playing well. Uh, they absolutely are, and they kind of control their destiny a little bit in their district. They have a chance to to maybe host a game that can get on a little bit of a run here. So it'll, it should be it should be a fun game tonight. Yeah, Gothenburg with 14 wins. Kozad has 19. Of course, they're in different classes. That's right. So uh, they will not be in the same district. So the Swedes will go one way, the Haymakers the other. Which has always drove me yeah. crazy. <laughs> I, think, I don't know why, but it's been that way for several years since I was coaching. What do yep. they know? That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Thanks, Jason.
When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880-KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at news and see what's going on around us. And that brings us Mr. Austin Jacobson. How are you doing, sir? Uh, doing a lot better now that the clouds have moved out of the way and the mist wasn't coming down anymore. It does feel better. You, f- you feel like uh, there's hope. Right. right. Once yeah. Again. No, and, the ray and, of sunshine's coming back. And then right? the, the, the clouds will be back tomorrow. Right. <laughs> All right, into news now. Johnson & Johnson is the latest company to settle a lawsuit to get out of the first federal trial over the nation's opioids crisis, reaching a deal worth more than $20 million with two Ohio counties. The conglomerate and its subsidiary recently announced the agreement. Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson has not pursued a lawsuit seeking to hold opioid manufacturers, distributors, or pharmaceutical companies accountable. Peterson explains why he's standing alone among attorney generals. Nebraska has a seat at the table. I know we were one of, uh, we may have been the only state not to file a lawsuit, but because we were involved in the multi-state, my position was, and what I tried to say to cities and counties, don't go out and get a law firm because we can get this done as a member of the multi-state. And if we get it done, this isn't going to go to the Nebraska General Fund to to finance roads or anything like that. This is going to be money that will be focused towards addressing the opioid problem. Peterson says counties and cities that go the lawsuit route are basically going to have to pay a 25 to 33 percent attorney fee. If they wait on the Nebraska Attorney General's office, they can see whether there will be a settlement through the multi-state lawsuit and they won't have to pay the attorney fee. Peterson's office hosted a mobile office in Cozad on Tuesday during which he spent time in the community with students, a civic group and local officials. Authorities say two drivers died after their vehicles collided head-on in northeast Nebraska's Madison County. The accident occurred around 8.30 p.m. Tuesday on highway on Nebraska Highway 32, about six and a half miles west of Madison. They were identified as 79-year-old Francisco Alarcon of Madison and 75-year-old Janice Preister of Rural Lindsay. A woman has been accused of smuggling cell phones, drugs, and jewelry to an inmate while working at the Lincoln Correctional Center. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that Megan Mikan of Lincoln has been charged with unlawful acts by a corrections employee. Efforts by the Associated Press to reach her attorney Thursday morning were unsuccessful. Consumer protection has become an issue with more scams being reported in the area. Ryan Sothen of the State of Nebraska's Consumer Protection and Antitrust Division of the Attorney General's Office understands that these scams are an issue and that those looking to use your personal information have plans in place for it. When your identity is stolen, what it means is that somebody likely once in possession of your personal identifying information is going to go online to quickly file for lines of credit from uh, credit issuers like Visa MasterCard, but also non-brick-and-mortar online bank accounts like SoFi and Ally and others. 
to uh, have these lines of credit extended to them in your name. Sothen recommends ignoring phone calls from unknown phone numbers and keeping all your credit lines frozen until making a line of credit. Finally, an Omaha man who sexually assaulted a young boy at his now ex-wife's home daycare has been sentenced to 30 to 34 years in prison. The Omaha World Herald reports that 63-year-old William Harrison was sentenced Wednesday after issuing a tearful apology to his family and the victim, whom he molested for four years, starting when the boy was eight. In a deal with prosecutors, Harrison pleaded no contest to two reduced counts of attempted first-degree sexual assault of a child. All right. Thank you, Aston. Appreciate it. you today from Hastings. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and I've got Krista Mesher here with me. She's the Acting Single Family Housing Program Director. You're speaking here today at a uh, meeting that Congressman Smith is hosting. You covered some very important topics. As far as infrastructure is concerned, housing is a big one for Nebraska, especially rurally. We have so many rural communities where this is an issue. Um, but I'll let you just kind of give us an intro on why you fit into the puzzle of infrastructure that's being laid out here today. Okay. Um, well, again, I'm with USDA Rural Development. Um, we have some really great programs for rural communities. So it's going to be those communities that are typically 20,000 or less. Um, we have purchase programs and we have rehab programs. Um, we don't have a budget for advertising, so a lot of what we do is get out into those communities and talk about our programs, come to events like this, and try to get the word out. Uh, we've got funding for the state of Nebraska, uh, the rural communities. We want to keep it in Nebraska. Uh, we don't want to let that get out of our states. Um, we have 100% financing for purchase loans for the rural communities. Um, it's probably the best thing out there, uh, unless you can uh, qualify for like a VA loan. Uh, we also have owner-occupied loans and grants. Those loan programs are a 1% interest rate that we can amortize for up to 20 years. And then we have grant funds available for households that are 62 and older. Um, so just some real great programs that we can utilize to grow the economy in the rural communities, do rehab, do uh, new construction, existing purchases, um, and again, we just want to get these funds out into our rural communities. Getting the word out there has been the biggest thing because people just aren't aware of, of funding or opportunities. Let's first, speaking of opportunities, go into um, ownership. I know that's one of the big ones you talked about today. Opportunity for ownership is something people don't always realize they have and this funding fits right into that. What are some of those options for people maybe looking to own a house? A lot of people, like you said, just don't realize that they could be homeowners. And we have some great opportunities through our program. Um, our direct program uh, is actually a subsidized program. So based on household size and income, they may qualify for a reduced interest rate, which could go down anywhere as low as 1%. So you can see how that could stretch someone's borrowing power if they qualify at a 1% interest rate, uh, especially you know the lower income households, uh, single parents, uh, maybe somebody's on Social Security or fixed income. Um, some great opportunities there, and again, they don't have to have a down payment. So there really isn't any other programs out there available uh, that have those fantastic terms. 
where somebody can really uh, utilize that to purchase a home. We also have a guaranteed program. Uh, now that's made through approved lenders, which are basically banks that participate in our programs. Uh, that is not a subsidized program. That interest rate is negotiated with that lender. But again, there is no uh, down payment requirement and there's very low fees associated with that program, much lower than a lot of the programs out there. So just a, a couple of really fantastic opportunities to be a homeowner. And like I said, people don't think they can do it. And with these programs, they, they certainly can. Let's jump next into rehabbing because there are funds available for that as well. And this can come in a couple of different ways, whether somebody's wanting to rehab in the home that they're in or somebody's wanting to buy a property and rehab it. Talk about some of those options. Okay. Uh, well, a couple of different options, like you said, for rehab. Um, we can uh, do some rehab with the purchase of a home. We can loan for up to 100% of the as-improved appraised value. So we can basically give that appraiser a list of of, hey, these are the things that we want to have improved. Uh, appraise it based on those improvements being done. So as it appraises out a little bit higher than that purchase program, we can loan those extra funds to make those repairs to the home uh, or to pay for closing costs if need be. Um, so uh, again, we don't want to get somebody into like a money pit. We want it to be in good repair for them. Um, then we have the owner-occupied rehab program. Um, that's going to be more for the very low income category, uh, but a lot of people will qualify uh, for that. And under the loan program, they can basically do any type of repairs they want. They can be cosmetic, um, health and safety. And then for the grant programs, uh, you have to be 62 or older, someone in the household. And those are basically for health and safety hazards only. Uh, but for the, uh, the loan program, we can loan up to $20,000. Uh, and we can amortize that for a maximum of 20 years. So again, a very low affordable payment. Um, in the grant program, of course, you just need to sign a grant agreement. Uh, it basically uh, has you stay in that property for three years. And after that, it just kind of poof goes away. <laughs> Some really good information. And this might be the most important, especially given how we started this discussion. It can be very overwhelming when people start to look into their options and look into uh, applying for loans, what's available. What would you say is maybe the best first step for somebody to take if they are feeling overwhelmed, or even if they're not, but are considering some of these options? Mm -hmm. um, you know, probably the easiest thing I can tell you to do, I mean, we do have a website out there, but there's tons of information on there. Sometimes those get a little intimidating to navigate. So I'd say your first step, if, if you really want to be simplistic, is just mm -hmm. give us a call. Um, we can be reached at 402-437-5551 and then you select option one for the housing department and we'll get somebody to um, talk to you about what those options might be for you. Thank you so much. Visiting here again today from the Infrastructure Seminar in Hastings with Krista Mesher. She is Acting Single Family Housing Program Director uh, here in Nebraska within the USDA. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors. The Nebraska Corn Board. Nebraska Land National Bank. And the Nebraska Soybean Board, powering our ag news travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story.
time for us to take a look at the business world and see what's going on. We'll start across the pond and uh, not. It's been a rough week for stocks really all across the, uh, well, the planet, and uh, not any different in the overnights. Uh, the Japanese Nikkei down over two percent, four hundred twenty-eight points down. The Hang Seng, however, in Hong Kong was up sixty-seven. The FTSE in London down 44, and the German DAX index down almost 3% at 329 down. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is doing better today uh, as they held on to that $26,000 threshold, up 100 points right now. NASDAQ is up 81, and the S&P up 19. Bob Brogan is in here with more. Stocks back near break-even levels at the uh, midday mark on Wall Street after recovering from a mid-morning scare caused by another danger sign in the economy. The latest bit of disturbing news came today in the form of a surprisingly weak report on the U.S. services sector, which makes up the bulk of the economy. The Institute for Supply Management said growth in the sector slowed sharply last month to its lowest level in three years, and that sent stocks lower, but the major indexes later turned positive. So here we are on this uh, wild ride that continues uh, with the stock market and so forth, and growth in U.S. services in the uh, U.S. services sector, though, slowed sharply in September to the lowest level in three years, suggesting that rising uncertainty is weakening the uh, bulk of the economy. And uh, so the Institute for Supply Management, an association of purchasing managers, says its non-manufacturing index slipped to 52.6 from 56.4 in August. The nation's largest retail trade group is predicting that holiday sales will rise between 3.8% and 4.2%. Cue those jingle bells. Even as uncertainty looms over an escalating trade war with China, The National Retail Federation's forecast marks an increase from the disappointing 2.9% growth seen in November and December of 2018. So that's something to look forward to. won't be long now until it's Christmas Day. Um, Consumer confidence in the meantime, though, wavering in Nebraska. That according to the latest monthly survey from the Bureau of Business Research at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And apparently they're not feeling as much in the uh, Christmas spirit. So those are some of the things that we're watching today, Scott. You really did say cue the jingle bells, didn't you? I heard you say that. uh, Yeah, okay. We don't need to quicken the season up any more than we... Well, it won't be long now. All right. Oil down about a little over a percent at $52 a barrel. That's a look at markets. It's more than manufacturing. It's about the science, the technology, and the math all wrapped up together. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. This afternoon, Ranking Manufacturing is inviting the governor to come in to see firsthand what the robots are doing within Ranking Manufacturing. But it goes beyond that. It goes to the work that's being done with the Deschler High School as they have sponsored classes introducing kids not only does more STEM, but the manufacturing industry. Chris Roth is president of Ranky Manufacturing, and he talked to me about first the governor's visit and hoping what the takeaway will be. Well, two two things. I, you know, he knows this already, but he knows that you know that manufacturing is a highly skilled um, um, uh, career, 
he, he that's going to be reinforced for him. But I also wanted to we also want to show him, um, you know, the developing youth talent initiative stuff that we've got going on at school. That then that's a that's different than what we've got going on with the welding program. So we've also that got going that going on down at the high school as well and the middle school. So. Um, you know, I w- we really want to sh- be able to show the benefits of that program because, you know, the Developing Youth Talent Initiative was actually something that was started by the governor. His leadership started that. And basically what it is is it, he understands the importance of manufacturing to the state of Nebraska. And so he wanted to get kids uh, even younger than high school um, excited about manufacturing. So he started the Developing Youth Talent Initiative grant process several years ago. Um, we got one of the grants a couple years ago, and what we did with that, uh, with that, um, with that grant is we were able to bring in um, some CNC uh, manufacturing equipment into the school, and the middle school kids then uh, programmed those CNC machines, so they get used to uh, the program that goes into it. But the but it's actually manufacturing equipment then in the industrial arts program, so the kids can program it and then they actually make something out of it so they can tangibly see something it's it's um you know something that you can feel and what's exciting about that for us is the exact same cnc equipment that we have out here same model same manufacturer same everything so the kids that are doing that in the middle school if they would happen to come out here after you know at some point in their life they're gonna say oh i i, I already did all this in high in middle school so this is perfectly comfortable to me i i understand this so we're real excited about that program. Again, those were junior high kids, uh, seventh and eighth graders um, last year, and then we're going to continue to build on that. So then the seventh graders this year will do the basic stuff that the seventh and eighth graders did last year. The eighth graders will be a little bit more advanced because they took it last year as seventh graders. The freshmen will build upon what they did last year in eighth grade. So we'll continue to build upon that on that advanced uh, CNC equipment that we've got down there. And then we were lucky enough to also combine um, uh, with the uh, ESU-5 out of Beatrice that hits 10 districts across southeast Nebraska from approximately Beatrice over to Desher with several school districts in between. And what we were able to do is create a mobile lab. And what that mobile lab will do is it will go to every one of the districts within the ESU-5 area, and it will expose all the kids in those districts to manufacturing. So you'll have like 3D printers in there. You'll have welding simulators in there so the kids can get exposed to different techniques inside that mobile lab just, you know, to get them a little bit of a feel for what manufacturing is today. So we're real excited about being able to show the governor some of the stuff that we've been doing uh, with the Developing Utility Initiative because that was kind of his, um, his initiative. And so we're real excited about being able to show him some of the successes that we've had from that. Part of my conversation with Chris Roth. Again, the governor making a stop today to find out more about what Ranky's doing, not only in the company, but outside, to excite those about the world of manufacturing. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network in a mixed grains trade today, and it was pretty quiet, too. As we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Maybe a, a dull day today when it didn't have, you know, a big fluctuation in price. We'll watch out for next week, John. Yeah, it's a big week, big end of the week. You know, we'll have a, a lead up into it, so we can talk a lot about it next week. But uh, early kind of, sh- you know, last night Europe was hit with some tariffs from the United States, more aircraft related, so it's not a whole lot of ag stuff there. But China, uh, I'm sorry, Europe has become a big buyer of U.S. soybeans just this last year, given that Brazil has essentially crowded out the market with Chinese purchases. And 
there's some expectations that they're going to put uh, some tariffs on USB and exports as well. So things aren't getting better on that front. I, I you know, I, I'm kind of hopeful that this trade deal can pass, and I'm certainly optimistic that one of these days we're going to walk in here and you and I will talk about a deal being solved and the markets will be much higher. But I'm, I'm skeptical that it's going to happen next week. You know, the stock market this morning obviously is, is going to be a big arbiter of it. And you saw with, with President Trump's comments uh, kind of calm the markets down and rallied back up again. Um, you know, if, they, if this market can stay strong, I don't think a trade deal happens on the stock market side. If it gets weaker, then I think, you know, you put them into a little bit of a bin uh, as far as making it happen. But from where I sit and just playing this game is uh, like a chess game, you're thinking, well, he, he pretty much needs to save that. To, to win the election, the economy has to be on a good, smooth path in that next fall. And why would he do it now? It, it really seems like more of a, a something he'll do next spring or maybe even next summer and kind of put the rocker booster on the economy then to get everybody back on his side before the election. Well, we had one of those days when it was a two-sided trade in much of corn, soybeans, especially soybeans, and even the wheat futures. Right, and wheat's obviously the key here. I've mentioned that in the last couple of days. We need KC to rally. I walked in here this morning. We were down at 401 and a quarter, and I was thinking, well, this might be the day. We're going to break this thing um, you know, back into the high threes, and um, that would really pressure corn, in my opinion. It didn't. It rallied, and as that happened, corn came off its lows. So I really think on the upside here, we need wheat to go. On the downside... Uh, you know, soybeans are going to be a little bit of a of a pull, and I think you know if you can get a, if you could get the oil markets to turn around as well, I think that would be a bullish sign. But right now, I don't see anything here that's going to make the market really, really rally outside of the uh, USDA report next week, and I don't think the break is going to come either, given that uh, producers are slow, slow to get this out of the field. Well, and then the U.S. China trade talks happen the same day as the WASDE report. Yeah, big week then to next week. Thanks, John. John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can always check things out at danielsagmarketing.com. As corn finishes one higher, soybeans one to two lower, Kansas City wheat unchanged to one and a half higher. Dewey Nelson reporting. Well, that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN. Dot com.